That's kind of a good question, isn't it? Who is Jesus to you? <laughs> Who is my Lord to you? Very much so. We thank you. Good job, Ron. She didn't tell me what the, what the song was going to be, so she said I would like it, so I don't know. Let's uh, start with a word of, of prayer, okay? Uh, Herman, will you lead us, please, sir? This weekend is Memorial Day weekend as we take time to uh, remember. Take time to remember those that uh, have given their lives for our freedom. We take time to remember those family members and those loved ones that have, that have moved on. Uh, hopefully they've moved on for eternity in heaven. And we stop and pause and think about them and... and uh, uh, hopefully you have warm fuzzies <laughs> when you think about those folks and those soldiers, those men and women and family and who have gone on. Um, uh, I hope that you can do that. Uh, today I also want to, uh, in a sense, remember uh, some that have gone on before us. And that is the 70 million unborn babies that were never born. I want to just speak on that today about what the Bible says about abortion. We are living in crazy times, aren't we? We are living in a time that the Bible warned us about. The Bible gave us a heads up that, that uh, the nearer we get to Jesus coming back, the crazier is going to get. And I can't help believe that he's coming back pretty soon because it's getting crazy out there, is it not? Yeah, man, you betcha. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 4 says it this way. It says, uh, but realize this, as Paul's writing to Timothy, that in the last days, difficult times will come. There's a statement right there. Difficult times will come. And then he describes what those difficult times are going to look like. He says, for men will be lovers of self. Yeah. Lovers of money. Boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. Ungrateful, unholy. Well, that kind of talks about it, doesn't it? Unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control. A generation of people that have no self-control. Brutal, haters of good. Yeah, boy. Treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What kind of nailed it, didn't it? And you say this book is not cutting edge, up to date? <laughs> Describes this generation, does it not? 2,000 years after this was written. We'll go back even further. Jeremiah the prophet. You'll back to the Old Testament. Jeremiah the prophet. 
hit it perfectly. Jeremiah 6, 15. It says, were they ashamed because of the abominations that they have done? No. They were not even shameful at all. And this is a part that, that hits us, I think. They did not even know how to blush. We live in a generation today that does not know how to blush. We live in a generation that anything goes. Anytime you can plug in something on your phone or hear anything, you can hear all the profanity that you'll ever want to hear. People brag about having how many abortions. They speak about how much evil that they have done. It's on, it's on the news every day. They speak about how defiant they are to God because they will say there is no God. And we live in a generation that has, seems to be wanting to accept this kind of attitude. And people refuse to blush. They refuse to be ashamed of things they do that are not uh, in line with God's word. And I got to, I don't mean to chuckle on that, but it, it was interesting this morning. I, I went back to, to Rumble. Rumble is where you can hear the messages every Sunday, okay? You can go to Rumble and uh, there I am. And in the last couple of months, we've been hitting it at about 30, 35. There was one Sunday we had 50 people that viewed on Rumble. I mean, it's been going really good. But last Sunday, the title of the message was Sin. Eight have watched that video. Eight. I chuckle at that, but it's also sad. Because you see, people don't want to hear about it. People don't want to think about it. it makes them, like we said last Sunday, uh, uncomfortable. Maybe it makes them depressed. Maybe it is conviction, whatever you want to call it. You see, people don't want to talk about this kind of stuff. At least people that need to know about sin. And yet, most of those folks don't care. They will skip the sin part, but they will refuse to blush about anything else that they want to say. I think Jeremiah hit it right on the, right on the head. Verse 13 of that same chapter and 14 says it this way. This is a good stuff here. In verse 13 it says, But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. The last five years, is that, is that a true statement? The last ten years, yeah. We've, we've slid downhill pretty fast in the last couple of years. But then Paul tells Timothy in verse 14. And this is the point that you and I, we hang on to. We can talk about how bad things are, but this is something here that we need to be doing. It says in verse 14, it says, You, however, he, Paul says, continue in the things that you have learned and have become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. That is a strong, strong statement. Continue the things that you have learned, the things that you know, things you are convinced with. Because Paul would say, Timothy and churches, I have told you the good news. I have told you what it's going to be like. I have told you the solution to the evilness of this world. And he said, I want you to understand, don't ever get over that. Don't ever give up on that. Be convinced of what, what I've told you is the truth. 
and stand on that truth. And I think that's where I hope the message will go today and maybe some in the future. That we continue to know the things we've learned and we will stand on those kinds of things. Paul would say, stay strong in your faith. Stay focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith. I think he would tell us never to compromise, never to give in, never to be wishy-washy in the things that we know are the truth. And when the world doesn't want to hear our truth, the truth, we stand strong and we never waver back down from what we know is the truth. How do we shine the light of Christ in a dark world how do we stay strong in a dark world because as we see today and we've seen in the news and this probably has happened to many of us here when we stand strong for the Lord the other side would do what well you guys are just intolerant you are intolerant now they don't have to listen to anything that we say but when we speak it we are the intolerable ones they say we're hateful when we tell them the love of God and what Christ can do for them we all just a bunch of hateful people no we're not you're just ignorant you don't know the facts yeah the fact is that God loves you and Christ died for you that's the facts you're racist you're extreme that's the one I love when Christian men and women stand up for what they believe. We are accused of being extreme. Well, you know, I think extreme means killing a baby in the womb before it ever gets out. I think that's extreme. I think open borders is extreme. I think illegal immigration is extreme. I think allowing someone to change their gender is extreme. I think it's extreme to say there's more than a man and a wife. I think that's extreme. And yet we, as Christians, as we stand on God's word, we are accused of being extreme. And they are not. We're accused of bigoted. We are accused of being hypocrite. And when, when we stand for the Lord and they, they accuse us of all that kind of stuff, Jesus gives us a good word there. Did you know it? He gives us a really good word when, when people in this society that we live in don't want to hear what we got to say. Jesus said, guys, don't worry. They're not rejecting you. They're not mad at you. They are rejecting me, Jesus would say. And the bottom line is, it's you do what I've called you to do, my chosen ones, my love, my children. And when they forsake you and when they deny you and they don't want to hear from you, just remember, they're not rejecting you. It's nothing personal for you. They're just rejecting me as, as Alpha and Omega, as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. See, that ought to give us all strength in this, in this dark world, that we can't take it personal. We have just been called to be the messenger boys and girls of the Lord and let the chips fall where they may do we argue back do we call them names what do we do what do we do today I want to look at uh, today I want to look at the idea of abortion in our society and I got to just thinking about that it's Memorial Day which would fit maybe 
uh, back in January, Sanctity of Life was, we had a Sunday there that we were, we were preaching on something else so we didn't stop and pause and I thought today would be a good thing. But I also want to, in the next couple of weeks, next couple of weeks, I want to look at some of the issues that we are dealing with as Christians. Uh, that, that this world is telling us that this is now the norm. Then uh, I just mentioned some illegal immigration, the homosexual idea, uh, trans, all those kind of things. What does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about socialism and wokeism and, and all that kind of good stuff? And my prayer is, and I hope it will be for yours too, that I don't, I don't bring my opinions to you. I don't bring the worldly opinions to you. I, I am going to bring what God's Word says about these kind of things. Because my opinion and my word and their word has, it means nothing. But I want you to be able to stand on God's Word. I want you to have a knowledge. A knowledge of what God's Word says. Because when the world starts trying to sway you into accepting what they want you to believe. That you'll be able to stand strong, focused on what you know. And it's so easy, and we know we've talked a couple weeks ago how Satan will twist the truth to make it sound good. We as God's people have got to be strong in what we believe. I was encouraged this week as we were looking at this message, and I heard some guy, I can't remember where it was, I heard him say, you know, most, most churches will not preach over this kind of stuff. They just want to bypass social issues so we don't make anybody mad. Well, um, we, we, we ain't going to do that. We're going to tell you what the Bible says, what, what God's Word says. We'll just let the chips fall where they may, okay? So that's my heart. That's where we're going. A biblical response to what's going on around us so we can survive and prosper. Not just survive, but prosper in this dark world. Abortion. You know, the Bible doesn't use the word abortion. doesn't use that. But there's so many verses, we're going to look at a few of them today, that will tell us that it is wrong. That will tell us that the, the killing of an innocent baby is wrong. And I've got, I've got verses to back that up, I hope. The first set of verses I want to go to is Jeremiah 1, 5. Jeremiah 1, 5. And I think we've got it up there, yeah. Where it says this, it says, before I formed you in the womb. Now, notice there, it doesn't say it. It doesn't say before I formed it in the womb, which would refer to an animal, a donkey, an elephant, whatever. Before the Bible says, I formed you, I knew you. That's a human being. It says, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart. I have a plan for your life, the Bible will say. Before you were ever formed, God knew you. God had a plan for you. That is a human being. He doesn't have plans for, for the mountain goats or the donkeys. He has a plan for your life and for my life. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. And, and you know these verses. These are some really good verses. And I don't know about you, but I have prayed these over my kids and my grandkid and my grandkids before, before she ever gets here. 
verse 13 says this. And if this does not speak of a human being, it, nothing does. For you formed me in my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. That's a human being. How do you pray for somebody that's, have, that's pregnant? God just fearfully and wonderfully put that, those capillaries, those bones, those muscles, those nerves, everything. Father, just put it together how you want it. That's a human being. I will give thanks for you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My soul, my inner, knows it that you've done this. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. God sees all, and scarcely wrought the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that are ordained for me. Yet as when, and yet as there was not one of them. God knew you before you were be, before you were formed. God knew you before you were conceived. God had a plan, a special plan for you. It even says, I, I, "I've even ordained your days for you guys. I've even decided how many days you're going to be here on this earth." Is that not sovereignty of what? You see, that whole chapter is talking about a human being and how we are made in the image of God. That is human beings right there, the baby in the womb. In Exodus, we see what it tells us about what's going to happen to those that do not believe like God believes. Exodus 21, verses 22 and 23. I think he's got that. And it says this. You've got to read 22 before you get to 23. In more ways than one. Okay, I know the numbering system. <laughs> if men struggle with each other and strike a woman with child, she's pregnant, so that she gives birth prematurely, yet there is no injury, the, he shall surely be fined as the hu- woman's husband may demand of him, and he shall pay as the judges decide. So if something happens and she's pregnant and she really doesn't get hurt very much, he basically said, that's okay. 23. But if there's any further injury then you shall appoint him, appoint as a penalty, life for a life. You read those next verses, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, foot for a foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. He says in his word, if, if you kill the unborn, if you kill the unborn, then you deserve the same. That's harsh. That's God's word. You argue with him if you don't agree with that, not me. Clearly, the Bible believes that the baby that is in the womb is as much a person as an adult, much a person as you and I, and that because they have been created in God's image, they deserve the same rights and privileges as you and I deserve. Because we know that baby in that womb has been been created in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, it says that, does it not? And God created man in our own image. And then and in verse chapter 2 of verse 7, God says, I breathe into the nostrils of man the breath of life. That's a human being. 
in the womb that's a human being. You know, the taking of a life we would understand is murder. And I suggest to you the taking of the unborn is also murder. Christian friends, we, you, I, absolutely have to be pro-life. And I say that for one reason. Not my opinion, not my thought. God is pro-life. I don't care what you think, what you want to believe. God is pro-life. Life is a gift of God. The source of life and the sustainer of life is God himself. And you can look at Genesis 1, 26 to 27. I just read you to Genesis 2, 7. Life is a gift from God. Life begins at conception, the Bible says. Jeremiah 1, 5, we just read that. Psalm 139, we just read that. The Bible says the innocent must be protected. Exodus 23, 7. Exodus 23, 7 says this. Keep far from a false charge. Do not kill the innocent or the righteous, for I will not acquit the guilty. As Christians, we have a moral obligation to protect the innocent, to protect the defenseless. The Bible tells us God has a great plan for all of us. He has a great plan for that baby in the womb. He has a great plan for that when that baby gets out of the womb. He has a great plan for you and I. And, and in Galatians 1, 15 and 16, Paul talks about that. He said, man, even before I was born, you had this plan for me. And you knew what I was going to do one day down the road. You knew that I would be awful for a while. You knew I would accept you. You had this plan set up since the beginning of time, what you're going to do. I suggest to you, every baby in that womb has a God-given plan that they need to be able to perform as they, as they have been born. What God says takes precedent over what man says. And that's kind of an interesting one, isn't it? Paul is talking about here, and he's talking about, yeah, God, Jesus tells us we are to obey the laws of the land. We are not to shirk the laws of the land. We are not to, not to be obedient to the laws of the land. And when they were telling Paul, to, Paul and Silas to shut up, Paul and Silas quit preaching the gospel. Paul and Silas quit doing what you're doing. In Acts 5, verse 29, it says this, We must obey God rather than men. There might come a point in our lives where we might have to obey God rather than men. You know, that they have two really compelling arguments that I'll just speak to real quickly about on their justification for abortion. And the first one is, what about the cases of rape and incest? What about that? Shouldn't that be okay? You know, as bad as that scenario is, murder still is not a solution to that. Do two wrongs make a right? No, no, it doesn't happen that way. I don't believe abortion will ease the pain of being raped or incest. I don't believe that would ever happen. Probably would even increase the issue of what they're going through. I don't believe abortion is ever an option. It's not the child's fault that he's been conceived that way. Not his fault. Not his fault what the mother and the dad might have done to conceive that. It doesn't take away 
the value of a person, doesn't take away the worth of the person if, if they've been conceived like that. So they argue that, well, we've got to be careful here that, that uh, the mom maybe will struggle, maybe die. Or the mom, because of rape or incest, that's not a good thing. Let me tell you something. Abortion is a bad thing. Adoption is a good thing. There are families all over this world that are wanting to have kids that can't have kids. And yet our government spends billions of dollars to Planned Parenthood and other places that says, yeah, we're going to give you this money so we can stop the birth of people, young people, or whatever they want to call them. And yet we don't spend a dime from our government in helping people to adopt wanted kids. See, adoption is the option. Abortion is not the option. And that is, I believe, biblical when I, when I say that. Abortions only take up 1% of those abortions that are performed through rape and through incense. You see, no matter how that child is conceived, God has seen that child in the womb. God has ordained that child from the beginning of time. God has seen and known that child since the foundations of the world. God has said, I have a plan for that child, even though maybe the circumstances of conception are not the best. I still have a plan. That, that baby is a baby as a human being. The second argument that they will have is we've got to save the mother's life. Irving Kushner, I, don't, I didn't know this guy, I just saw that he testified and said only 1% of, of every abortion is needed because of uh, to save the mother's life. A thousand OBGYN doctors signed statements saying that is never the case, not even 1%. The mother's life, uh, the abortion will never cause the mother to die. We never have to abort just to save the mother. There's other things that we can do. And yet the society says, no, we got to save her life. You know, we, we serve a big God, do we not? Yes. We serve a huge God. Nothing's impossible for God. And when, when those kind of things come up, God very easily can save the life of a child. God can very easily save the life of a mother. God can very easily tell these, this mother that there's a better way and that there's forgiveness that can happen through Jesus Christ. You see, we, we've got to understand and get in our minds that, that a woman that has an abortion is not a bad person. God still loves that person. Jesus still dies, died for that person. You see, those folks that have dealt with that in the past need to understand that you're still valuable to God. And by faith in Jesus Christ, no matter what you have done, you can be forgiven of abortion. You can be given of, of everything that the blood of Christ says will be forgiven. And the beautiful thing of forgiveness through Jesus Christ is Romans 8.1, where it says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see what it says? There is no condemnation. When you come to Christ and you receive forgiveness, no matter what you have done in the history of your life, and you have allowed Christ to come in and to change your heart, there is no condemnation. 
there is no judgment on his part because you've given your heart and life to Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's a big, thank you, Lord. No condemnation. And that doesn't just apply for abortion. That applies to anything. That applies to telling lies. <laughs> that applies to gossiping. That, is, that, that applies to not forgiving somebody else. I mean, you just name the, the list of sins. And when you have been forgiven, the Bible says no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm here to tell you, the woman who performs, who has had an abortion, and I've heard women say I've had up to five or six abortions. That woman still is important to God. The man who encouraged the abortions, he is still important to God. The doctor who has performed thousands of them, and they are proud of the fact they've performed thousands of abortions. They, they too refuse to blush at that. I'm here to tell you, God says they are still important to me. How do I know that? How do I know that? You look at the New Testament, Mary Magdalene, seven demonic spirits all inside of her. And what did Jesus do? Saved her no matter what. She had had an awful, awful life. Jesus saved her. He didn't condemn her. He saved her. What about the woman at the well? Yeah, 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 I know. You've had five husbands and you're living with six. What does he say? I don't condemn you. I love you. The blind man who couldn't see, the man who was, uh, was the demonic that was living out in the caves and didn't have any clothes on and he busted the chains and they tried to hold him down. They still meant something to him because they're human beings and they've been created in God's image and maybe they don't live it, but they've been created in God's image and because of that, he says, I still love you no matter what. You mean to me so much more. I sent my son to die on a cross. Do you not understand that? Christians, we got we to bring some of that kind of love. I would even suggest to you that old guy by the name of Barabbas. Barabbas still meant something to God. Because I created him, God would say. And I'm not going to give up hope until he has his last breath. What about the two thieves on the cross? Oh my goodness. They couldn't do anything for the Lord, but one did. Just remember me, God. Just, Jesus, just remember me. You see, the, even the two guys that were on the cross who were yelling insults at him. And... and, and making life even more miserable for, for Jesus. God would still say, you're valuable to me. You have worth to me. I still love you. I still want you to change from the inside out. We're still valuable to the Lord. When our convictions do not jive with society, how can we get to the point in our lives that we are on the same page with with God <laughs> okay how do we know what to do how do we know about this idea of abortion and and what can we do to help help if you would I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to pray for wisdom and for courage pray for wisdom Christian what do we do well, the first thing I'd say, pray. You see, James 1, 5 has a, great, has a great verse there. 
where he says, if anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives to all generously and without reproach. Yes, and he will give you wisdom. What does he say when you don't understand what to do in something? He says, pray and ask. I don't expect you to know all the answers. You had not been through this. Pray, ask, seek wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs, wisdom is more precious to have than gold or silver. We don't know what to do. Get on your knees and pray and ask. And the Bible has promised us what? He will give it to us. The second thing, real quickly, I want us to see. We need to examine our convictions. Examine our convictions. And at 2 Timothy uh, 3.14, that verse, be convinced of what you know and stand on what you know. Yeah, that's where it is again. You see, what we have to do as Christians is what is our conviction on this topic or any other topic? Is it based on God's word or is it based on my opinions? We got to examine ourselves. I mean, your stand for or against abortion, where does that come from? It's got to come from God's word and not from what you hear on channel nine and not from somebody else's opinion. We've got to be biblical in everything that we do and stand on that and continue to stand on that no matter what. Examine yourselves. Where does your... Talking to somebody today. He said, man, you know, sometimes it's just hard. We see things and we hear people and, and it's so easy in our minds to go to the point where I go, boy, I don't like you and I don't, I don't agree with you. And that's easy, easy to do. But you know, the Bible would tell us we have two natures in us. We have a sin nature, a flesh nature, which says, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to like that guy. You know, he said that about you. You don't have to like him. But then the Bible says we have a Christ nature in us. We have a Christ nature in us. We've been changed from the inside out. We've been, we are a new creation. If we're in Christ, we're a new creation. And instead of always looking at these issues and people from our fleshly, worldly nature that we all have, I think he wants us to begin looking at them through the eyes of Jesus and get rid of that fleshly nature that so easily fits us and go to this Christ nature who sees people the way they are sinners in need of a savior I would urge you to examine what you think and why you think it third thing real quickly commit to love those who disagree with your stance commit to love though boy I don't want to do that <laughs> are you kidding me uh, not him not her Matthew 5 38 48 gives you some uh, scenarios there but verse 44 I'll just shrink it down but I say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you now you can't do that when you're in the, in the fleshly world you can't love like that if all you want to do is what the nat- your flesh nature tells you to do. The only way you can do that is receive power from, from Holy God. To be able to love the unlovable. To forgive the unforgivable. And why does he ask us to do that? Why would he ever ask us to do something like that? That's, that's so, so foreign to human beings. Well, let me tell you. 
That's what he did for you and it's what he did for me. He loved you and he loved me when I was unlovable. When I walked in sin, I lived in sin, I wanted sin, I pursued it and ran after it. He still loved me. And when I refuse to forgive somebody else, he needs to remind me and remind you, hey, guess what? I've forgiven you of every sin that you've ever committed. I've taken from as far as the east is from the west. Why does he want us to love those folks that we don't want to get along with or can't get along with? Because he loves you and I. And he wants us to love like he does and live a life like Christ. Fourth thing I would urge you to think about, commit to handle conflict with kindness. People disagree with you, how are you gonna how are you gonna handle that? Well, I got a verse, obviously. <laughs> Colossians three twelve. So as those who have been chosen of God, that's us, that is Christians, that is his children. Holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's the kind of heart that we put on when we are God's chosen people. How do we handle that conflict? We handle it with love. How do we, where do we get that love from? We pray about it. We ask God to give us that wisdom. He asks us to give us that strength. He asks us to give us that eyesight in the heart of Christ so that we'll be able to do the things that we, don't, we can't do in our own strength. Seeing people how God sees people. You know, how do we get along? First Peter, I got one more verse. 316, it says, And keep a good conscience, so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. God will never forget the good works that you do in having ministered and ministering to the saints. When we stand for Him, when we project love out, and people want to talk about that, what does the Bible say? I'll reward you. I know it's coming. Stand strong. They one day will be put to shame because of their stance. We must know what God's Word says. We must know what He says so that the enemy does not deceive it. We've got to know God's opinion on a subject. What does God think about that? And then when God thinks about something like that, we got to be on his side. Because if we're not on his side, if we're not supporting his opinion, guess what? We're on the wrong side of an issue. We're to demonstrate the love of Christ. We're to stay strong in our faith. And we must remember all people are important to God. Even the vilest offenders are important to God because we've been created in His own image. Bury that sinful nature. Project the love of Christ in our lives as we deal with issues in our society that we don't know what to do with. Where's our stand on abortion? If God's against it, then we've got to be against it or you're on the wrong side. As we begin our time of, of invitation, I just give you something to think about, okay? Give you some, you got some knowledge there about it. You got some biblical verses there about it. 
not my opinion. I would urge you to find out what God has said. Put it in your heart. Put it in your mind. Stand strong. Don't give up on it. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't let somebody talk you out of your position. Stay strong in the Lord. As we bow our heads for invitation time. I don't know how God has spoken to you. I don't know. Maybe God has spoken to you that you need Jesus today. I don't know. Maybe you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And he's, he's convicting you of that. I would urge you to respond to that today. Or maybe God has called you to join, join us at our, in this church, to become a member of this church. Maybe he, that's what he wants. Maybe he want to talk to you about your attitude about other people. Whatever it is, I would urge you to do business with God. Do business with the Lord right now.